0: Are now listening to Pursuit Cast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. First Samuel chapter one, verse one. If you're there, say I got it. There was a certain man from Ramathaim a Zephite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zephite, and Ephraimite. Right, I didn't learn that in seminary. Verse 2 He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Panina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion of brisket, right, because we're in Texas, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Say that with me, year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Amen? Let's pray and we'll jump into the message together that God has for us tonight. Father, I just want to thank you so much for your presence here. For gathering all of us here together. Under the name of Jesus. We're so thrilled and honored and hungry and expectant for what you have in store for every single one of us. So God, I pray that you would open up our ears, our hearts our spirits to you, that you may do in us what you long to do. We give this time to you. Raise our faith. Raise our expectancy. Stir up a hunger to receive all that you have for us. We thank you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We love you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like I said, I believe God has sent me here this weekend, uh, not to bring something, not with an answer, but to be a part of what he's already doing. And I truly believe that God's desire for every single one of you here in this room and for every ministry and church that's represented here, that God wants to take you to a new level amen that he wants to take you to the next level and I believe the key to that next level isn't in our strategizing in our ability to plan and execute in, in our social media game but it's actually in prayer at the next level the new thing the greater thing that God has in store for us is in prayer now, I know that when, when a preacher talks about prayer, all of us, you know, feels kind of guilty in that moment. You know, I've never once met a Christian who feels prayer isn't important, nor have I ever met a Christian who feels like they pray enough. Amen? Right? We all kind of feel guilty or obligated or, or stressed or worried or feel like we're not praying enough. But I don't want us tonight to go down those similar roads and, and similar feelings because I believe the prayer that God wants to put in us isn't based on our ability to pray and our self-discipline, but a fire and a passion that God wants to put on the inside of you. Now, I've heard it said this way, that when man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. Right. When man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. And I believe that we need God to work and move like never before. I mean, if you look throughout history, every great work of God, every great move of God, every great spiritual awakening and revival that we've seen was always initiated and preceded by people who would gather and pray and call upon the name of Jesus. I mean, think about, uh, you know, 50 years ago or so in, in, he- in the Hebrides, which is an area in Scotland, revival broke loose in that place because there were two women, elderly women, who were, were so grieved and convicted and moved by the fact that their local church had no young people. And they're like, how can our church have no young people? So these two women made a pact, made a covenant to pray. And they would pray from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. every single day, praying and believing that God would send revival and that young people would come to the church. And, and, and because of these two women who would dedicate themselves, commit themselves to prayer, there was a great move of God. They had visions of young people flooding their church. And just like they saw as they sought God, they saw it with their own eyes. There's another move of God uh, uh, in, in, in the northeast where I'm from during the second great awakening where this preacher by the name of Charles Finney, he would come and, and literally bars left and right would shut down because this man carried the presence of God. That he would just walk into some factory and all of a sudden the workers would start being convicted by sin and start weeping and they would want to know, how do I get saved? But did you know the key to that revival wasn't this man of God and this preacher, but was this man by the name of Father Nash who would go to these cities and areas, you know, days in advance and he would intercede that God would move in those places. And because of that revival broke loose. Another revival broke loose in New York City led by a name, but led by a man by the name of Jeremiah Lanfear. And he was a middle aged man and God put it on his heart to start a midday prayer meeting at noon in downtown Manhattan. So during that time in the 1800s, New York City had a population of 800,000 people and he wanted to create an atmosphere and a time where people could pray. So he, he sent out flyers. He would meet people. He would go to churches. And, and he was uh, promoting. You know, I mean, he didn't have social media at the time. You know, the hashtags of the day was like how loud your voice was, you know. And he did this prayer meeting. And six people showed up out of 800,000 people. And he's like, oh, man, what's, what's going on? But he persevered. Next week, there was about 12 people. And then 40 people. But at its height, they saw 10,000 people praying in New York City at noon. I mean, that prayer movement led to such fervor and passion for the Lord, where eventually at its peak, did you know that 50,000 people were coming to Jesus Christ? Not in a year, not in a month, but weekly. I want you to know we need revival, we need awakening, we need a move and a work of God because what happens in 20 years, God can do in two months when a genuine awakening takes place, amen? And every single move of God was preceded and initiated by people who were moved to pray. Even the greatest revival we've seen was started by people praying in an upper room. They prayed in the upper room, gathering together, seeking God, believing in the promise. Then the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost came, and the world has never been the same since. The revival that has birthed every single revival, that too was started by people who are committed to pray. I believe what God wants to do in us is to move us to pray, not out of self-will, self-discipline, self-abilities, but a genuine fire and passion that God will put in us. I apologize for my voice right now. I'm not sure why it's like this, uh, but I I recently was in Brazil and I got, I've been sick the last two weeks. So um, I feel like I sound manlier. Thank you. Right. I I, I sound more anointed. I sound like I've been praying, you know, but, but I've been sick, you know, to be honest. But, but I believe that's why we need people to pray. We need a mighty work of God. And every single move awakening was preceded by people who pray. Lennon Ravenhill, another revivalist who lived um, in the 20th century, he says, no man is greater than his prayer life. No man is greater than his prayer life. Oswald Chambers says that prayer isn't uh, that which prepares us for the greater work, but prayer itself is the greater work. Martin Luther, the guy who started the Reformation over 500 years ago, he said this, man, I'm so busy today that I must spend the first three hours in prayer. I want you to know that there's something about prayer initiated and provoked and moved by God that can do more than prayer birthed out of self-will. The prayer I'm talking about is a prayer that God moves in his people to pray. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people will humble themselves, repent and seek my face, then he will come and heal the land. How many of you know we need God to heal our land? Amen. We need God to move in our generation. We need God to move in New York, where I'm from, in Austin, in the South, uh, in Texas, which is like its own thing. You know what I mean? We need God to move like never before. We need his presence. And every single one of it is preceded by people who pray. God wants to stir us beyond obligation to pray, guilt to pray, with a genuine stirring and passion to pray like never before. I want you to know this about prayer. Oftentimes when we think about prayer, it's we pray because we have to pray. right? We pray because I have to pray. I read the Bible because I have to, because I'm a good Christian. But I want you to know we don't pray because we have to pray. We pray because we get to pray. Birds don't fly because they have to fly. Birds fly because they get to fly. In the same way, we have access to the blood of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, it says we could boldly approach the throne of grace and have communion and dialogue and conversation with the God of the universe. Prayer isn't an obligation. It's a privilege to be able to hear and speak with the God of all gods. And I believe God is really stirring this up in me and, 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 and for you guys tonight. Because I believe that he's wanting to take us to a new level because we're entering into a new season. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're entering a new season. Turn to your other neighbor and ask him, are you ready? We're entering into a new season, and and one of the themes that God has really been highlighting to me and and to our team uh, back home for me and and to even other leaders across the body of Christ has just been about new wine and new wineskin. Jesus says that in order for new wine to to be held and received, you need new wineskin. And he goes on to say that no one drinks the old and wants the new. And you don't pour new wine into old wineskins because it will end up ruining both. And as God has been speaking to that one night, God was speaking to me, and this isn't the only interpretation, but the one that he gave me in that moment had to do with promises of God and our prayer life. And the way God spoke it to me was that the new wine that God wants to pour out are his promises. And the new wine skin represented our capacity to pray. And I felt like God was saying, are the promises you're believing for greater than your ability to seek my face? And when God spoke that to me, it wasn't out of guilt, but a hunger to say, God, I want the capacity to receive the fullness of the promises that you want to pour out. Because like I said about revival and awakening and a move of God, you know that that's not something we're wishing for, but it's promises that we're tapping into via prayer. We're not hoping and wishing for revival. We're not wishing and hoping for an awakening. We're agreeing with the heart of God of a yes to see revival take place in our day, in our time. And God wants us to seek his face as we would say yes to his heart. That's the new wineskin. Right, he wants to pour out his promises, his presence into new wineskin. So it will be stretching, it will be uncomfortable. Our old ways of, of, of just you know, coasting in our prayer life, just coasting in our faith will call out to says, Man, is that really necessary? man, just relax, you know, Jesus paid it all, Jesus take the wheel, you know, Jesus is praying in heaven, I mean, all these things will stir up in our mind, but I believe God is wanting people not to stir it up out of their own strength, but to simply say yes to his heart, that says, won't you come and seek me, won't you come and seek me, Isaiah chapter 55 says this, seek the Lord while he may be found, call to him while, while he may be near, And that's just a simple invitation. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And how many of you know the reason we can draw near is because he first pursued us? So all of it is grace. It's all of it is God's initiation. It's simply saying, will you say yes to what he's doing? God is doing a new thing. It's a new season. It's time to pray because God is moving us to pray. So in the story we read together tonight, it's a story about a man. His name is Elkanah. He has two wives, right? Someone say, "Uh uh-oh, right? But he has two wives. And and, and many theologians and scholars and historians believe that the only reason he has two wives is because his first wife was barren. She couldn't have children. In that time, children were so important. Uh, it, It secured legacy. It secured heritage, inheritance. I mean, it was what family was all about. And because his first wife couldn't have children, he needed someone who could have children for him to carry on his name. So he got his second wife. So that's kind of the family dynamics, right? And the Bible says, uh, which which is so interesting to me, is that this man and his wife, his family dynamics, year after year would go pray and make sacrifices to the Lord. And not only that, but Panina, the second wife, would provoke and irritate Hannah, the first wife, year after year, so the situation they 're in happens over and over again it 's an unending cycle, but yet there 's something about that moment, even though this happened year after year there 's something different about that current year that caused Hannah to pray like never before. Now, I believe Hannah has probably prayed this prayer many times, but right? they go make the sacrifice she 's provoked she 's made fun of she 's irritated. Right. The Bible says that, uh, Elkanah, he gives his first wife a certain portion, but he gives a double portion of Franklin's to his second wife, you know. But how many of you know that double portion, the the greater blessing, more food doesn't matter if you're so upset, you can't even eat. Right. So she gets the more, she gets the blessing, but she can't even enjoy it because she's so irritated, so depressed, so sad. So what good is it? And then Elkanah shows up and he's like, hey, baby girl, what's up? Girl, what's wrong? Girl, you my world, right? And then he's like, why are you weeping? Why are you downcast? Why are you so sad? Aren't I better than 10 sons? And she doesn't respond because the answer is obviously no, right? <laughs> All that to say that Hannah is simply in a situation where she needs God to come through or nothing else is going to change. She's in a situation where God has to make a way. God has to perform a miracle because the double portion doesn't matter. Because the husband doesn't matter. She needs God or else she's going to be stuck in this situation forever. And in that moment, she decided to pray. But like I said, I I believe she's probably prayed this prayer a million times before. This wasn't the first time she's prayed that prayer, because in that time, if you were barren, if you couldn't have children, people thought you were punished by God. People thought, oh, if you're barren, uh, you're either cursed, you've either sinned, there's something wrong with you. Uh, It it would have affected her future, her social status. People talk smack about her. She had this shame. So she probably prayed this prayer. Year after year as well. She's probably prayed it a thousand times, a million times. But something different was about that moment. It was a new season. A new season calls forth a new prayer. Even if that prayer is the same prayer you've been praying. It's something about the timing of the Lord that makes your prayer different in that moment. And I believe that's what Hannah was entering into in that moment. Because she's sad year after year. She's prayed this prayer thousands of times. What's the difference? The timing of the Lord. The timing of the Lord. We are entering into that time where the people of God are now being moved to pray like never before. And I believe probably another thing that was different about Hannah in that moment is I believe she reached a place where she said, Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being okay without a breakthrough from the Lord. I'm sick and tired of praying the same old prayer and not seeing something changed. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do the same old Christian thing, you know, host monthly gatherings, because we do that too. And just go through the motions, sing some nice songs, you know, shed some tears, hug some friends, and go home and, and live my life in the same old way. I need to see God move like never before even the stories of revival that I shared earlier tonight. I don't want to just hear about it, read about it, hear other people talking about, but I need to see it with my own eyes in our day, in our time. Amen. Amen. And I think Hannah was in a place where she said, God, you either have to come through or else. There's something within her that said, God, I can't live in this place any longer. Something has to change. And Hannah decided to pray. Have you ever been in a situation where you're not seeing God move? And in those moments, it's easy for us to blame God, blame ourselves, blame other people, settle, be stagnant, or we can pray. And I think Hannah said, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And like I said, I believe it was a God-initiated prayer that said enough is enough. I know there have been moments in my life where I've prayed, and I sought after God because, you know, I, I wanted to see something happen. You know what I mean? Like, it was self-driven, uh, self-initiated, uh, self-ambition. Like, I'm about to go preach at this event, so I'm, like, praying and fasting all week. I, I preach, but there's, like, no anointing. You know what I mean? I'm like, what? I, I thought I prayed, you know? And that was because I prayed out of my self-will. there were other times when like to be honest like I don't even know if I was a Christian that week you know and I showed up and I prayed and God moved despite me I'm like oh what the heck you know what I mean so uh, there's a difference between self-driven prayer and God initiated prayer last year I was invited to come speak at this youth revival in Delaware. And to be honest, I was just caught up in a busy season. You know, I wasn't really thinking about it much. And, and I'm working, I'm doing different things. I'm like, oh, shoot, I have this event coming up. And, and, and literally, I didn't pray for this event at all. Right? Right? Just being honest, you know. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't pray for this at all. It's only a couple days away. And, and, and I was like, God, do you, do you want me to fast? Should I fast? And God was like, no, I want you to feast And I was like, is that God? You know what I mean? Like, does God actually say things like that? Like, God, I just offered to fast, right? I only fast when I sleep, but I offered to fast for real. And God, you're telling me to feast? And and because I'm a man of faith, I said, I will receive that word in faith. (laughs) Right, so I went to this event in Delaware and I went with Danny here who's with me. And, uh, you know, what do you do if God tells you to feast and you're going into an area you've never been for, for, before? You open up Yelp, right? Spirit, lead me and you scroll through Yelp, you know? And uh, we found this random barbecue place in Delaware. And we're like, all right, it's like the top-rated thing. Let's just go there. It's, it was like mad random. So we go there. And uh, we just start speaking to the owner. And we're like, hey, we're out of town. We just found this on Yelp. Uh, we just want to, you know, tell us what to get. Blah, blah, blah. We're just talking to her. And all of a sudden, God starts speaking to us about this woman. Right? God starts speaking to me about her life. And we start sharing these things. And Danny, all of a sudden, is like, hey, do you have pain in your elbow? And she had this look like, what? How did you know? Like, how did you know I had pain in my elbow? And we're like, hey, we're Christians. We believe God is real. God is alive. Or whatever, whatever. Can we pray for you? She's like, all right, sure. You know, we pray for her. And God healed her on that spot. Amen? Right? Right? All right. Hallelujah for the five people who clapped, right? (laughs) right. But, but she was so shocked, but she's like, oh my, this is crazy, but I got to go pick up my kids, you know? So she left, and it's just me and Danny there, we're like, all right, what's going on? We feel like God is here, and I'm like, all right, let's 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 pray for other people. So we, we see the other worker, and we're like, hey, can we pray for you? Uh, we just pray for the owner. She got healed. You know, do you need healing for anything? And she's like, oh, yeah, I actually do. We pray for her, and God heals her as well, right? So she gets healed, right? No one clapped this time, glory to God, but, but she, she gets healed, and all of a sudden, she disappears. You know, like, oh, where does she go? And she runs back with the other worker, and she's like, you got to pray for her. She's like, all right, let's pray for her. We pray for this other lady, and she gets healed as well. She couldn't, like, turn her arms because she had pain in her wrist, and God healed her too. And we're like, I guess God really tell us, told us to feast. Amen, right? So, so we go to that, that uh, uh, revival that night, and I'm preaching an amazing message, glory to God. And uh, uh, God is moving, but yet there's still a passivity in the room where, where God is there, but people can't move. And there's just something blocking, and God told me to share that same exact story. as soon as I shared it, people started coming and getting on their knees. Because when you let God lead you and not your self-will, self-ambition, God will use it for his glory. Amen? Right? I believe fasting is important, but it's better when it's led by the Spirit and not by our flesh. So like I said, this prayer that God wants to do in us in this new season... Is it because we decided and we brainstormed and we came to the conclusion we need prayer, but it's because God is calling us to pray because it's a new season. So Hannah prays the prayer. She's prayed all this time. And yet something was different. Something was different in this moment because it was, in fact, a new season. I want to ask you tonight, where are the areas in your life where you've said it's okay without seeing God move? Because I believe those are the areas where God wants to move us to pray like never before. I believe there are certain people here where you've been praying for your family members to be saved, and you felt like, man, maybe it's a lost cause. Maybe it's in God's timing, or maybe now is the season to pray that prayer again. A new season calls forth a uh, a new prayer. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of praying possible prayers and calling that faith when I don't serve the God of the possible, but the God of the impossible. I'm tired of saying, man, I, I'm such a prayer warrior because I'm just praying for a nice day. I'm just praying for my meal. I, I'm praying, you know, blessing. You know, you know those type of blessing prayers? You know what I mean? They're like, what do you need? I, I need, you know, they tell you like very specific things. You're like, God, just bless him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to pray possible prayers when I serve the God of the Impossible. I want to pray those prayers because it's not okay to not see God move in impossible ways. I refuse to be stagnant. I refuse to be lukewarm. I want to pray with fire once again. I want to burn for Jesus. A pastor in California, his name is Bill Johnson. He writes this. The lack of conviction, the lack of a burning heart enables us to coexist with unanswered prayers and it not mattering. I'm going to read it again. The lack of conviction, the lack of a burning heart enables us to coexist with unanswered prayers and it not mattering. When I first came across that, it just hit me in such a way because it spoke right to where I was. I don't want to coexist with unanswered prayers and think, oh, that's okay. I mean, in faith, there will be unanswered prayers. Amen. But that's just the reality of like you'll pray for sick people and they won't get better. That's just the truth. But I don't want to be in a place where I say, that's okay. Like, it no longer matters, right? Because I believe there's a big difference between settling and being stagnant with being content. I think you could be content and still contend. You could be content and still pray big prayers, huge prayers, impossible prayers. I believe being content is a pursuit rooted in Christ that says, even if nothing changes, I'll still worship God. Versus settling and being stagnant, which is rooted in comfort and hopelessness. And there's no longer a pursuit at all. It leads to worry and anxiety. But what does Philippians chapter 4 say? You know, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by petition and prayer, present your request to the Lord. That's the type of fire I want. That's the type of, of desire I want. I want to pray those impossible prayers once again. The prayers that I've forgotten. The prayers I no longer pray. I want to pray with the same passion and conviction when I just got saved. Recently, uh, uh, we just put put out this thing on social media where where we wanted to see uh, revival take place in high schools you know we want to see revival take place in high schools and we just put out this call like hey if you're a student a high school student and you believe that god can move in your high school you want to see revival then come and pray and here's the thing about social media i love social media right you can follow me at at sam juan right i I love social media but the thing about social media is it's so deceptive you know because we put out this thing, this call to prayer. High school students just contend for revival. And on social media, if I felt like a hundred people were going to come and pray. You know, it's, yes, we got a hundred people. People are commenting. They're leaving not just one, not two, not three, but seven fire emojis. You know, you're like, yes. And then five students showed up, you know, and we're like, all right, it's okay. God can work with the few. I want you to know every single move of God started with the few. So, the, so these few came, we are praying together, and, and and they're sharing their hearts and, and different things, and, and this one student who God has really put on my heart, where, where, where I believe in this kid, I believe God has set him up for this moment, he shared this story where uh, there's a Christian teacher in his high school, so like, yes, there's someone who will have my side, so he went and talked to his high school teacher, like, hey, can you help me start a, 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 a Christian club in my school, can you help me start, like, you know, do something for Jesus in my high school, and this is what he said, "It's like, don't... Don't even try. It's impossible. And when I heard that, I, I got so mad. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think anger is good for me, you know, because I feel like the Old Testament prophets, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, you uh, know, but when I heard that, it, 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 it just moved me in a certain way, because I'm like, if we don't go after impossibilities, then what's the point of Jesus telling us that faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, I mean, I've had times where I felt like I had faith the size of a mountain, and I couldn't move a mustard seed. You know what I mean? But this is what I know, that that my faith can't move a mountain, but my prayers can move God. And if God can move, then no mountain is a challenge for the God who created it. And that's what this student said, and and it just moved me in such a way where where it made me want to pray once again. Cause I got saved when I was in high school. And when I got saved, I got radically saved, you know. So, I, so, so at that time, I had these things called CDs, right? Don't ask how old I am, but I had these things called CDs, you know, and, and I had to throw away my K-pop CDs. I'm like, Jesus, I love you more. You know what I mean? And like throwing it away. And and I want to be Christian. And, 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 you know, I would do see you at the poll, which is like this prayer meeting. And, and we had, in my senior we had like 60 students show up. I, I'm like kneeling at my locker, like, like every day just trying to pray for a minute and kids would be like, what's wrong with them? And, and, and I would just do these type of things because I wanted to see revival take place in my high school. I remember, like, like, I couldn't wait till school ended, not because school, you know, is of the enemy, but, but because I wanted school to end so that I could read my Bible. I remember when school would end, me and my other Christian friends from my church would gather in my basement, we'll get on our knees and we'll pray that God would move in our high schools. And I, and as I saw those five high school students pray, it reminded me of those prayers where I'm not in high school anymore, but I want to see it more than ever before because it's a new season. I prayed that prayer once a time ago, but God is bringing it back because it's a new season. There's an urgency in the moment where God is wanting to answer prayers, not just for your sake, but for his sake. God is wanting to do that. And I don't know about you, but I want to pray those prayers again with passion, with conviction, with the fire in my heart. I don't know much, but I do know this prayers that move me, move God. Prayers that move me, move God. I mean, look in this story. Hannah isn't just giving God lip service, right? Hannah isn't giving God just lip service. She's not just going through the motions. She's just like, oh my gosh, I didn't do my QT. But she's praying with such distress, such a passion, such an urgency in that moment where the priest is like, what's up with this woman i mean i mean think about what she looked like where this priest is like i have to confront this woman you know i mean anyone here like confrontation right like especially confronting people you don't know but this woman like look like a crazy person like a drunk woman where this priest is like i gotta tell this woman one thing how dare you show up to the house of the lord and be drunk She says, I'm not drunk, but I'm a woman distressed. I'm a woman in need. I'm so moved and I need God to move. I need his presence. I need him to come through. I need God to come deliver for me because no one else can. And I've just been praying, God, remember me. Look at me. Think about me. Don't forget me. And if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. I and mean, she prayed not just a prayer to go through the motions, not giving God live service, but she was praying a prayer that moved her. Because, like I said, prayers that move you move God. And sometimes you got to persevere in prayer long enough until it starts moving you until it starts moving you, right? I'm not like a super Christian where like as soon as I get on my knees, as soon as I put my hands together, as soon as I close my eyes, I bow my head, I'm like, oh my God, the presence of God is here. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just got to persevere, linger long enough, tarry in his presence enough, start sharing my heart. And before you know it, God starts just moving me because he's being moved. And that's where Hannah is. I want to pray those prayers like never before. I want to have that conviction that faith that fire to pray that man maybe god can save my family maybe god can't free that addict maybe god can heal the sick raise the dead i want to pray with that kind of conviction and and once you start praying that prayer don't stop don't stop because you know what i've prayed prayers and i've stopped you know I've prayed prayers where, like, at the end of it, I felt good, so I patted myself on the back. I'm like, yeah, and I stopped praying. Or, or I prayed, and I kept praying out of guilt and obligation, and I was just going through my words and just going. But I want to know what it's like now to pray with that fire and not stop until I see God actually deliver. I want to know what that's like because I know what everything else is like. I want to see God moving this way. But here's the amazing thing about the goodness and faithfulness of god now during Jesus' birth how many know that's like the most amazing birth ever amen right like the virgin birth is number one and like like there isn't even a two you know i mean we just go straight to number seven you know like that's how amazing the birth is but number seven in the new testament is probably the birth of his cousin john the baptist And that too was a miracle because his parents, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were struggling to have children all these years. She was barren herself and they were old in age. But just as Gabriel went to Mary to say, hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be Jesus. He's going to be the savior of the world. Gabriel also went to Elizabeth to say, hey, you're going to have a child as well. And he's going to be the voice in this desert preparing the way. But if you actually study the language and look at what the angel is actually saying in the text, this is basically what Gabriel is saying to Elizabeth and to Zechariah. God is remembering the prayers you have forgotten. The prayers you no longer pray. The prayers that you yourself have forgotten. The prayers that you think, man, it's too late, I'm old in age. Those prayers are the ones God is answering right now. I want you to know that's the goodness and faithfulness of God. The prayers you have forgotten. The prayers you have given up on. The prayers you think is now impossible. God is bringing it back to mind because he's about to answer in this new season. That's the faithfulness and the goodness of God. What does Jesus teach on prayer? He teaches even about a friend at night. I mean, get this, a friend at night comes, knocks on the door. He says, hey, can you give me some bread? I don't have anything. I I, I have guests from out of town. And what does Jesus say? The man will give him what he wants, not out of friendship, but because of his perseverance, his, his just audacity to ask. I think it's time for us to ask and to keep on asking, to seek and to keep on seeking, to knock and to keep on knocking. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Because everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. And everyone who knocks, it will be open to you. Maybe not on this side of eternity, but there's no promise, no prayer that God has failed. And maybe it's time that we call back to remembrance because God didn't forget. God hasn't forgotten. And he's calling us back to pray like never before. If it matters to you, I want you to know this. If it matters to you, it matters to him. If it matters to you, it matters to him because he's a good father. When I mean, Jesus is even an earthly father, though you are evil. Right? Like Jesus, was that necessary? You know what I mean? Like, even though you are evil. That's what he says. Like you wouldn't give stone to a child asking for bread. You wouldn't give a snake to a child asking for fish. So how much more then will your father give? Because he's a good father. It's time for us to pray in this new season. I want to see prayers that get answered. Not just for me, but prayers that impact eternity and my present circumstance. Because if it matters to you, it matters to him. And I want to close with this. So in this story, Hannah prays a prayer she's prayed year after year, thousands of times, hundreds of times. But yet God remembers her in this moment. And what ends up being God's gift to Hannah becomes Hannah's gift back to God. The answer to Hannah's prayer is also an answer to God's prayer for a man after his own heart. Because here's the thing about where Israel is at in this moment in history. That up until that moment, Israel was led by, by these men and women of God known as judges. And they were messing up. They would do good for a little while. They'll mess up. And God was about to enter this nation, his people, into a new season, into a new era of a kingdom. And in order for God to establish a kingdom with the man after his own heart, he needed someone who, who go forth and find the king. Are you with me? God was taking a nation to a new era, a new season, into a kingdom where God would establish a king. So he needed a king maker, which was the prophet Samuel. So in Samuel, there is David. And in David, there's the son of David, which is Jesus Christ. Can it be that the answer to your prayer for your family is so much bigger than just your family? The prayer for your pastor, your church, your issue, your situation, your miracle is so much bigger than the miracle because Jesus is in it. And if Jesus is in it, if you give him two bread, is it it two fish, five loaves, Right, right? I'm still sick from Brazil, right? Don't forget that, right? You could give him a little and God will make it much. Can it be that in the answer to your prayer is Jesus, which will make it bigger than what you could ever possibly or imagine? In Samuel is David, and in David is the son of David. Jesus is in these prayers because he's wanting wanting to use it for his glory. God is wanting to do it. So one, one thing I want to leave with you practically before we go into time of prayer tonight is what can you do? How is God leading you? Because once again, this prayer is led by the Spirit. In Romans, it says those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. If you actually look at what that word led means, it has nothing to do with how well we follow, but it actually means to be carried. You know what I mean? Like those who are carried. Sometimes he carries you. We're like, where are you taking me? You know what I mean? Those who are led, those who are carried by the Spirit are the children of God. So how is the Spirit leading you from the, beyond this meeting In this upcoming week, upcoming weeks, upcoming months, how is he leading you then to seek his face? What is different? What is the cost he's asking you to pay? Because there is a cost. But there is a greater reward. God is no debtor to man. You can't outgive God. And God in this moment is calling us to pray. Because can it be that Jesus is in that answer So, Father, I just thank you right now, tonight, that you are a good Father, that the prayers that we don't pray anymore, the prayers we've forgotten, the prayers that we prayed a thousand times and we feel like no longer matters, it's impossible now, are the prayers that you are remembering, that you haven't forgotten, and you are now bringing to memory in this moment. The prayers for our family, the prayer for the miracle, the prayer for the freedom. God, you are answering that prayer. And God, it's so much bigger than just that answer because Jesus is in it. So God, we just declare right now that it's a new season. It's a new season. And that new season is calling forth a new prayer. God, we want to obey. We want to move with the spirit. We want to say yes and to pray. For our family, our friends, our schools, our churches, our our, our city, our our region, God. Because not only are you able, you're willing. God, it's time to pray. God, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. If God is stirring your heart right now, I want you to stand up and just come up to the front. And we're just going to turn this front of the sanctuary into an altar just like Hannah where she came and presented her life her prayers unto the Lord where it wasn't about lip service it wasn't about a have to it wasn't about an obligation a guilt but something that God was stirring in her where she could no longer be content without breakthrough she could no longer go on without an answer from the Lord and she had the courage the audacity the faith to pray that prayer again If that's you, I want you to come up to the front right now. Be bold, be courageous, be audacious, be full of faith. Even if you don't have much to give, just come. Whatever you have, let's bring it to the Lord in faith. Just come all the way to the front. Just come. We're just going to pray. Lift up your hands, get on your knees, do whatever you need to. But let's just create this atmosphere, this space, this moment, this time into a place where we're going to pray. For the very thing that matters on our hearts, the very thing that we've that we've forgotten, the very thing we, we've been okay to go on without an answer. Can we just start lifting our voices right now? Right? Where you're let's just lift our voices right now and just ask that God would move. Maybe it's for your family, maybe it's for uh, you know a miracle in health and sick, whatever it is. But come on, let's lift our voices right now. Like I said, Hannah wasn't giving lip service to God. She wasn't going to the motions, but she wasn't afraid to look foolish. She wasn't afraid to look like a drunk woman. She didn't care about the opinions of man. She just needed to pray and encounter God in that moment. So Father God, here we are tonight. Here we are with, with the prayer, God. Praying and believing and contending. Contending, interceding, petitioning to the one who can make a difference god just like in that story the double portion of blessing didn't matter the feast didn't matter elkanah didn't matter the only thing that could come through in that moment was you or nothing else so god we're believing for our family to be saved once again we're believing for you to move in our school once again we're believing for you to move in our churches once again god we can't go on without a breakthrough We refuse to live and be okay without unanswered prayers. Far be it from us, God, to be lukewarm, to be content, to be satisfied without a move of God. God, we're praying that you would move, Lord. Holy Spirit, move in this place. God, we're praying tonight. We're praying a new prayer, even if it's the prayer we've been praying all these years. The prayers we've forgotten, Lord, we're lifting them up to you once again. Now we're praying for revival. We're praying for a move, God. Come on, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Prayers that move you move, God. And God, we want to move your heart because we need a move of your hand. God, we're seeking your face tonight. We need you tonight. We need your presence tonight. We need your presence tonight we need your presence tonight god it matters to us and lord we know that it matters to you so god in faith we're coming back to you we're calling upon you we need you jesus we need your presence god we pray right now for parents who don't know you that they would come to know you god we're praying for our siblings, our relatives, our family who don't know you, God, that you would save them. The way we prayed, the conviction we had, the simple faith we had to pray to see salvation in our So, God, we pray those prayers once again. We lift up our voice to you once again. We're asking God that you would move in our city, that you would move in this region, that you would move in our hearts. I'm moving our hearts to pray, teach us to pray, teach us to seek you, God. Teach us, teach us to pray, teach us to pray, teach us to take a hold of you, God. In prayer, in the secret place, long after a meeting, long after a meeting, God. We're praying tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.